Hey, this is Pastor Rafael Rodriguez. Welcome to Restore 2020 Podcast. Go ahead and choose a message. Be empowered, be equipped, be prepared to change your world for Christ Jesus. God bless you. Let's give a hand clap to the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. I, I, I'm excited to be speaking tonight. I've looking, been looking forward to it all this week. And um, I really got a message for you. I really believe it's from the Lord. I'm going to encourage you with this message. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. <laughs> Amen? All right. I'm going to go ahead and start with a joke real fast. And at the end, if, we, well, um, if I you know, preach fast enough, I'll take some prayer requests as well. I know Pastor Mike normally does that on Wednesday nights, and I'll, t- I'll do that at the end if you have any prayer requests. Um, but I want to begin with a joke real fast. So Johnny, a very bright five-year-old, told his daddy he liked to have a baby brother, and along with his request, offered to do whatever he could to help. His dad, a very bright 35-year-old, paused for a moment, and then replied, I'll tell you what, Johnny, if you pray every day for two months for a baby brother, I guarantee that God will give you one. John, Johnny responded eagerly to his dad, challenged, and went to his bedroom early the, the, that night to start praying for a baby brother. So he's on his hands and knees, he's praying. He prayed every night for a whole month, but after that time, he began to get skeptical. He checked around the neighborhood and found out that what he thought was going to happen had never occurred in the history of the neighborhood. You just don't pray for two months and then wham, a baby brother. So Johnny quit praying. He's discouraged. After another month, Johnny's mother went to the hospital. When she came back home, Johnny's parents called him into the bedroom. He cautiously walked into the room, not expecting to find anything, and there was a little bundle lying right, right next to his mother. His dad pulled back the blanket, and there was not one baby, but two babies. His mother had twins. I know what it is to have twins. His mother had twins, okay? Johnny's dad looked down at him and said, Son, aren't you glad you you pray? Johnny hesitated a little bit, head down, looked up at his dad and said, Yes, Dad, but aren't you glad I quit when I did? (laughs) He might have had a quadruplet, who knows? (laughs) <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. And first, we're going to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 to 8 tonight. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version, and I'm going to flip it to another version of the Bible, the NIV. Um, it's a great story. We know the story of Hannah and her, her son Samuel, and what all took place for her to have this, uh, to give birth to her son. It was a miraculous thing. And so the title of my message tonight is Prayer That Changes Our Family. Prayer That Changes Our Family. Here, here it is in verse uh, 1 through 8 in First Samuel. Now there, there was a certain man named, uh, man of Ramathium, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim. He was named Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu. The son of Tuha, yes, I'm practicing my, my Hebrew tonight. The son of Zup, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Two wives. Imagine the nightmare. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved her. He loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And he and her wife, rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord 
that she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? He has no clue why his wife is crying. He needs marriage counseling. <laughs> why do you not eat? And why are you, is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Wow, what a question to ask, huh? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray that I would decrease and you would increase. I pray, Father, that tonight you, this word that will bless us as it blessed me, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that you will open ears to hear and I, that, that you would do something supernatural tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So all of us, we all want a happy and whole family. We would love for our kids, our grandkids, to cut us some slack, right? We would love for them to do what we asked them to do the first time. Hey, Amelia, Charisma, go clean your room. That doesn't always happen. If I say, hey, Amelia, Charisma, go clean your room, I usually get, no, I don't want to do that, you know? Some kind of response. But we all would love our children to cut us some slack. And, you know, our grandchildren as well. There's no perfect parent and, uh, and no perfect grandparent, and there's certainly no such thing as perfect children. I work with children in, here at the church upstairs, and I work with children at school. So I know for a fact there's no such thing as perfect children. <laughs> I see them every day. But there's no perfect grandparent as well. But your prayers for your family can make a huge difference and impact. Even though we live in an imperfect world, and there's a lot of challenges and difficulties, our prayer for our family could make an impact in their life. Our prayer for our family could do something supernatural. As we just read in the story, this woman had prayed to the Lord, and something supernatural has happened. And so tonight, I'm going to encourage you to pray for your family. You may be going through a situation, you may be going through a circumstance or a difficulty, but I'm going to tell you, pray for your family, because breakthrough is going to come as you continue to pray. The Bible promises that. We see this in the story, that breakthrough will come in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? And if you're with me, you say amen. I'll preach faster. Praise the Lord. If I don't hear nothing, I'll take longer. <laughs> but prayer that changes our family. I, you know, I remember watching my mom praying for my father's salvation. We grew up in a Catholic church, and my dad was an alcoholic and a womanizer. He did a lot of crazy things behind my mother's back. She knew about it. I witnessed my mother going about to fight the woman because she found out that he was having an affair and she was ready to fight her. This is in the Bronx, New York. Everything crazy happens in New York, guys. Okay? And I'm watching my mother about to get into, into it with this lady, and it was back in the 80s where they had those uh, spiked bracelets that were really popular back then, and she got my brother's spiked bracelet and she was ready to go at it. And she said, I was going to play tic-tac-toe with her face. I'm like, oh, man, that's really violent stuff. I'm like four or five years old watching my mom about to get into it with this lady. But then somebody came knocking on our door one day. The Lord sent out an evangelist. He witnessed to my mother. She gave her life right there to the Lord, right there on the spot, and a complete transformation began to happen in our household. But my father, he still struggled with alcoholism. He still kept on drinking. He, he struggled with this, the, 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 the things of his past and, and, and his childhood, and that, he carried that on to his adult life, and he kept on struggling for that. But we would watch my mother and pr pray for him 
on a regular basis. Every night, we praying for my dad's salvation, praying, praying. And it seemed like it just got worse and worse. You ever been there before when you pray about something and it seems like it gets worse and worse and worse? And that's what it was. It kept on getting worse and worse. He kept on getting more angry. He kept on drinking. He kept on just doing crazy things. And I'm just like a little kid. Uh, just the three of us, my, my older brother and my youngest sister, we're just wondering what's going to happen. Why do we keep seeing mommy pray for my dad, but he's not changing, and she's praying. She's believing. She's interceding. She's trusting. And so one day, we were afraid of my dad. My dad was, uh, when he got drunk, he was scary. We didn't mess with him. So I, I, I kind of convinced my younger sister. She was three at the time. I was like, her name is Wandy. I said, Wandy, if you can go up to daddy and ask him to go, come to church with us, I think we'll listen to you. She's a little innocent little baby girl, right? I was too afraid to ask my dad. So she goes up to him and she says, Dad, would you come to church with us tonight? Who's going to turn away a three-year-old little cute little baby girl? And he said, of course I will. He goes to that church, the service that night. He gives his life to Jesus Christ. His life from that moment completely transformed for God's glory. Why? Because we kept on praying and believing. He's 80 years old right now. In good health, he just he, he can't see. He's, he's blind. 80 years old, in good health, and his biggest challenge what he's faced, faced with right now, he says to me on a regular basis, I wish I could read the Bible, but I can't see. So I had to listen to it. He made it a point to memorize five different scriptures in the psalm, word for word, memorize it because he cannot read the Bible because he's blind. And so we witnessed a transformation in his life, and that, that happened as a result of prayer. Amen? That's why I believe prayer works. Because we can hear the testimonies of us brothers and sisters in Christ and see that when we hear these testimonies, when we hear these stories, that we can be encouraged and have faith. And when we see what happens in the scripture, as we just read right now, prayer works. Prayer for our family works. I remember watching people in the same church where we gave our life, uh, where we gave our life to Christ, the church we started attending in the Bronx, New York. We praying, people praying, interceding for their family. They had kids that were drug addicts. They had kids that were drug dealers. They were, we were just praying, believing for transformation, and watching gangbangers come to the church and giving their life to Jesus Christ. We had a, a gang, a motorcycle gang, that they were so scary in the New York, Bronx, New York area. There was a Hispanic gang. They would come in the back of the church and sit in the back of the church, and they would about put their heads down because they felt too ashamed to be there, but they came, and there was things that began to happen and transformation that began to happen in their life. Amen? Prayer changes people. We, there's a notorious gang that was called the Latin Kings. Majority of the Latin Kings are serving God now because prayer changes people. If you know the story of Nicky Cruz, the cross and the switchblade. He was a tough guy. Rough. Puerto Rican. So I know that, I know that, that struggle that he had. Okay? Because I'm Puerto Rough. And God changed his life around. You know, it was David Wilkinson that led him to the Lord, and he changed his life around. Because prayer changes people. It makes a difference in their life. And so I witnessed people praying for their family. I witnessed people praying for their loved ones. I witnessed people being transformed as a result of prayer. So that's why I believe this is such a powerful message tonight, because I can testify with personal stories and use scriptures to also show you that prayer changes our family. Amen? I remember seeing Marie pray for me, for our family. For God to open doors. Just a couple of weeks ago, I, uh, a couple of months ago, I was working two jobs. I was working at Chick-fil-A. I was working at the school. And I was praying and believing because we, you know, we, we had some financial uh, obligations that we had to constantly pay, pay on a regular basis. And I had to work 
60 hours a week for a long period of time, but we're praying and believing and trusting God that he's going to open doors. And just a couple of weeks ago, I was promoted to be a fifth grade teacher at Irving Elementary. Give a hand clap to the Lord Jesus Christ. I never expected that to happen, but we trusted the Lord. We believe. I took a step of faith back in June. I felt the Lord told me, you need to leave this job at Chick-fil-A and just focus on the one job because you're working too much and you're not around as much as you need to be. And I said, but Lord, how, wanna, how is this going to happen? What's gonna, how are you going to open a door? I've got to provide for my family. That's my duty as the husband to provide for the, my family. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to step out. And in June, I stepped out. And in July, you know, we went back to, I had summer school, so I got to make extra money there. And in August, when school started, I was offered a position. Uh, with, with, with a little bit more money. And then I was, somebody, a teacher came up to me afterwards and she was like, hey, I'll, if you want to do aftercare, I don't want to do it anymore. It's $23 an hour. You could do aftercare for a couple hours a week and um, you'd be able to make some extra money. I said, sign me up. So I'm there. I'm, I'm working as a paraprofessional at my school. I'm changing diapers in preschool. Had to go back to being, a, you know, back in the day when I used to have to do that for my kids. I'm changing diapers in preschool. I'm doing aftercare afterwards. And I'm just doing what I had to do, trusting and believing. I never expected that my principal would come up to me one day and say to me, are you interested in being a fifth grade science and social studies teacher? That's it. It's a challenge, but I'll do it. That's the, that's the power of prayer. That's what happens as a result of interceding and believing and trusting the Lord that he will open doors. Now, you know, it may not be prayers answered the way we want to, because I had to wait for a long time. We prayed for a long, long time, but we kept on trusting. We kept on believing, and that's, because, and that, that's when you do that, doors begin to open. When you step out in faith and trust in him, he begins to show himself faithful because that's who he is. He's faithful. He's just. He's righteous. He loves us. He cares about us, and so he takes care of every one of our needs. Amen? I mean, I, I, I remember being in India, 1.2 billion people in India, less than 1% are Christians in India. There's predominantly Hindus there, there's a lot of Muslims there as well. I remember going to some services where we're praying and believing for souls to come to the kingdom. We're interceding, right next to the church was a Hindu temple, and they're, having, they're doing their whatever they do, and we're praying in the service, we're believing and interceding and, and trusting that God's going to lead people and, and minister to people, and we, ha we will have some powerful Sunday morning services. That church was packed with 800 people every single Sunday morning, right next to a Hindu temple, packed out with 800 people every single morning. But every Saturday, they were praying, they were interceding, they were believing, they were trusting. And what was different about that church? They trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when you're in a nation like India, and when there's chaos, and when there's Hinduism, and when there's worshiping idols, and they're sacrificing, and doing all kinds of and craziness happening there, you have to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to trust Him for miracles so that they can come and believe. Because when they're worshiping Satan, they see all kinds of trickery and magic, and they believe that's, that's supernatural. But when they see the power of God move, that's something different. It captures their heart. It grabs a hold of them, and they're like, what is that? I want what that, what that person has. And we'll preach. There'll be some powerful services. There'll be people that come up front that will be delivered from alcoholism. There'll be people that come up front that will be delivered from drugs. And there will, there's the powerful services because the power of God was moving strongly, not because they were better than anybody here in the United States. It's because they were hungry. They wanted God. They wanted a supernatural encounter. They wanted, they wanted, and, and that's where we got to be. The church in America, we got to get hungry for the Lord again. We got to begin to pray. We got to trust the Lord that he's going to do something. He's still working miracles. He's still doing signs and wonders. We, we trust him. We got to believe and pray and seek his face, and we're going to watch him do great things. Amen? A nation like India, less than 1% are Christians. They have some of the largest churches there in South India. 
a church of almost 100,000 people meeting in South India and Tamil Nadu in a place called Chennai. The man, the pastor of that church is the overall general superintendent of all of India, and he's a man that started with praying, fasting, believing, trusting, and great things are happening there as a result of that. You see, prayer changes things, but more importantly, prayer can change our families. When we pray, we demonstrate hope and confidence in our God that we pray to. There is a toughness that true prayer develops in us for those we love. We can't pray our children to places in God that we haven't yet, yet not been. If you haven't have a, had an encounter with God, you haven't got close to God, you haven't had an intimacy with God, how can you pray for your children to get there if you've never been there yourself? You have to get there. Because when you experience that, people want that. They see that. They're like, man, your children looking at you like, why is mommy not getting as mad as she used to when I used to do the same thing to push her button? Because mommy's been touched by the Lord, and daddy's been touched by the Lord, and this great things happening in mommy and daddy's life, and that stuff don't bother them no more. And so when you begin to have an encounter with God, they're going to want the same thing. But you can't pray them there unless you get there first. So I'm going to encourage you, parents, grandparents, those of us who've been serving the Lord for a long time, it's still an ongoing thing. Have the passion and zeal for God that you, were, you first started when you first gave your life to him. Seek him. Trust him. And watch him do great things in your life. And then that's when people want, they're drawn to that. Our children will, will, will see that happening in our lives. But you have to get there first in order for that change to happen in their life. That's what Hannah did. She prayed all the time. She looked to the Lord. She kept on asking. She kept on praying. She kept on, you know, serving. She's crying out to God, weeping that she has not yet have a child because that was a very important thing in their culture in that time. And she's weeping and she's believing. She's interceding. It doesn't say her husband. It says Hannah was doing it. You don't have to be the head of your household, quote, unquote, right? You could be just a person who has a zeal and a passion for God and seek his face, whether you're a husband or wife, and, and watch God do miracles in your family. Amen? He says, looking for some hungry people. And so tonight I want to share with you the keys to praying for our family that will make a difference. Now, the first thing is prayer that changes our family must be personal. It must be personal. And in and, and, and the same verse, in chapter, verse, um, verses 9 to 11, in the same chapter, it says, Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. She's making a promise to God. She's saying, I'm going to, you know, I want this child. And actually, when she gets, you know, gives birth to him, she wants to keep him because her prayers were finally being answered. But she made a promise to the Lord. She made a covenant with him. And she said, I want to offer him up back to you in service of you. He's going to become a Nazarite. He's going to take a vow where he's not going to drink and he's not going to uh, have his hair shaved or anything like that. He's going to be totally dedicated to you. And this is an interesting story because in this culture, women who could not bear children were considered worthless and cursed by God. Here you have Penina, she's, she's having kids, she has 10 or more kids. I like the name Penina, so, you know, nine, maybe, you know, ten, but she actually had 10 or more kids. And here she is, Hannah, she can't have none. And so in that culture, it was very shameful if you were not able to have children and they consider you cursed by God. And I know that in India, that's the same thing. If the woman cannot bear, even a, especially a son, to pass on an inheritance, oh, that person must be cursed. Stay away from her. Oh, no. She did something wrong, and that's what they believe. 
But she said, I'm not gonna let that, I'm not gonna let that be my label for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm not gonna let that be me. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna believe and I'm gonna trust the Lord and I'm gonna see God move in a special way and that's not gonna be me forever. It may be me for now, but I'm gonna keep on believing and he's gonna turn that situation around for his glory. See, Hannah was of one of two wives of that Elkanah had. Unfortunately, the other one, other wife was very fruitful in her, ch- her having children. Some scholars believe she had as many as 10 sons. It might have been more than that. But she had a lot of kids. She was very fruitful in that. She was made fun of and laughed at because of her lack of fertility. Hannah was. In verse 5, the Lord had closed her womb. It says it right there. The Lord had closed her womb. Why would God do that if he knows she really wanted to have a son? See, everything that we, sometimes we, we see God, we, say, we see things like that. The Lord did it. Why would God do that? Because he had a plan for her son. He had a plan for Samuel. But his mother had to be prepared to give birth to a man of God that's going to completely transform that culture. She had to give birth to a man of God who was going to be a prophet and a judge and completely shift everything that was happening there. Because in that time, the Bible says in those days, they did whatever they pleased. They had no leadership at the time. And God was preparing her to have this powerful man of God who was going to be a judge and a prophet. But he had, his mother had to be a woman of prayer. She had to be a woman who trusted in him and believed and be an example for her son and be willing to dedicate her son to the temple so that he could be prepared and raised up to be the man of God that he was. And we know the scriptures, Samuel was a powerful man of God. And people had confidence and had faith in him. They trusted in him. God used him in a very special way. She was made fun of. Because the Lord closed her womb. When God's waiting for her to get desperate, he was waiting for her to get desperate enough to pray as she should to affect her destiny. What does this tell us about praying for our family? We have to get desperate enough to intercede and believe for our family so that the destiny can be changed. Your situation doesn't have to be the same. It doesn't have to remain that way. If you continue to trust and believe and pray and seek his face, that doesn't have to be your destiny. That could be shifted to something else. It could be turned around for God's glory because prayer works. He answers prayer. Amen? He answers prayer. The prayer in verse uh, 10 says a lot. In verse 10, if you, want to, if you could put it up there for me. In verse 10, the prayer there says a lot. It says, in her deep anguish, Han- Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She was angry. She was discouraged. She was bitter. She was crying, just really having this battle within her and trusting the Lord. What does the word bitter mean? Bitterly. It really means Mariah. In the Hebrew, it means Mariah, bitter, angry, bitter, and discontent. Hannah was angry with her situation and told the Lord. She was not being disrespectful, though. Our Lord can handle us being real with him. Our Lord can handle us being completely transparent and honest with him. And if you got, at times, you're like, Lord, what's going on in my situation? He's not going to get offended by that, okay? He's gonna, he wants to listen to you. He wants to see how much are you willing to pray and seek and trust him for him to move in a situation. I remember when girls were born in India. Both our daughters were born in India. We were serving there as missionaries back in 2004, uh, 2010 to 2014. The girls were born in 2011. Everybody kept telling us, go home. Have the baby in the States. Telling Marie, India has a high um, infant mortality rate. If you don't want to have the babies there, that's a dangerous situation. 
We prayed. We prayed. We wrestled with it for a long time. We wrestled with it with God. We're like, Lord, we are here to reach people. We are here to let people know that our God is the Almighty. Our God is the King of Kings. That our God is the Lord of Lords. And we're not going to let any situation, because there was issues in her pregnancy. They said that they may be, there was first they started saying that the babies might be Siamese twins, that they won't be able to be separated. And then they said that then Amelia stopped growing within the womb, and there was complications. There was, there was um, issues that we were having, and we were wrestling with that, and we're like, well, we came, God called us to be in India, and this is where we're going to stay. Because we want to let people know that we serve a mighty God who could do miracles. And here we are, we're, we're, not, we're in the hospital, and we had, you know, our, both our girls in NICU, because they were too small, they were born a couple of weeks earlier. I think they were like four pounds each. Amelia was a little bit smaller than Charisma. And we're going up there, and we're seeing these parents, they're having the same situation, and we're witnessing them, we're praying with them, we're we, we speaking into their lives. Charisma's come back. She's, she's fine after a couple of days, but Amelia's in the hospital, and we had to leave. We, we, they tell us, hey, you have a couple of days. You can stay here, but you can't stay here too much longer. We're in a busy, you know, we're in New Delhi, about 23 million people in New Delhi, very busy, very populated, it's capital, capital of India, a lot, you know, a lot of people there, and we had to make a decision. Well, we're going to trust the Lord. We're going to leave her in the hospital in a strange country that we're not from, okay? Go home. And it was about 10 minutes from my house, but with the traffic, it made it 30 minutes because it's very populated, very packed there, and leave her there. And I remember, I'm praying, we believe in, trusting, believing, what's going on with Amelia? And I'm getting angry with the doctor. I say, hey, I need to know some answers about my daughter now. Like, I need to know. I'm getting stressed out because my daughter is still in the hospital. And then I, I'm asking them, what is wrong with her? Why is she still here? Why is she? Because she couldn't have the formula. She couldn't have the milk. There was something going on. And, and we, we just... Not wanting answers. I'm asking them what's going on. And I'm praying. We're praying. We're believing. Well, the Lord called us to be there to preach. And I was traveling across the nation. I'm preaching. I'm, I'm believing. And I'm praying for people, believing for miracles for them. But I was struggling because I did not see the miracle happen in my life. And I'm praying for others for having a miracle. And, I, and, at one, and one time the Lord said, be transparent. Be honest. And I stood there before a congregation just like you guys. And I'm standing there. I'm preaching. And I said, I'm really struggling right now, guys. I have a daughter in the hospital, and here I'm praying about faith, and I'm a man of faith, and I don't see God working miracles in my life, and I'm praying for you guys, and I'm believing that God's going to do something in your life, but I need prayer right now. Those kind people came up to me, laid their hands on me, the pastor of that church, praying for me, interceding, believing, believing God, and I, say, and I started to begin to prophesy, I said, tomorrow she's going to be out of the hospital. The Lord put that in my heart right there in the spot. Did you know that the next day she was out of the hospital? Because we were praying, we were believing, we, we were interceding. We say, no, no, the enemy meant this for evil, okay? But we, we, God's going to turn this around for good. And that's a pop, we sing that song here, right? The enemy meant for evil, but God turned it around for good. He's in control, amen? We take back what the enemy meant for evil. Prayer that changes our family is passionate. It has to be passionate. You have to have passion behind the prayer, there has to be pa passion there. That's number two. Prayer that changed our family is passionate. In verses 11 to 18, it says, And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever use, be used on his head. And she kept praying to the Lord, Eli, uh, to the Lord over and over. Eli observed her mouth. Eli was praying in her, 
and she was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard, and Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. No, not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Don't take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered her, go in peace, and may God, the God of Israel, grant you whatever you ask of him. If we, notice, if we, know, if we do a background on Eli, he wasn't the best priest. He was actually corrupt. His, his sons were doing crazy things, taking sacrifices, uh, um, taking the meat that was sacrificed unto the Lord, sleeping with some of the women that were coming in. They were, they were corrupt guys, and, his, and their dad was not even doing nothing about it. He was just like, whatever, I'm too old to deal with this. Here, this man who's losing his touch, he's losing his intimacy with God, he speaks a word of prophecy. He says, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you whatever you ask of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. When we're interceding, when we're praying, when we're trusting, when we're believing, <laughs> even people who may not be the best of the best, God could use them to speak into our lives. And he spoke a word of prophecy, and it came true. Because he was the man in charge of the temple. He was the leader of the temple, despite his... his uh, his integrity, he was still used by God to speak a prophecy that came to pass. You see, passion would push you through discouragement. She didn't, want, she didn't give in. She prayed one more time. She kept on praying, believing. A few months ago, my mother was in the hospital. Both my parents were in the hospital. My mom went, ended up in the hospital. Something was going on with her high blood pressure. Something else was going on in her body. I forget, I forget at the time because I really was struggling to dealing with that. She's in the hospital. They're checking her, trying to find out. My mom has kidney issues. She has a disease called Wigsman's disease, where her disease function, her, her kidneys function at 2%, 4%. She has to go to dialysis three times a week for her kidneys. But what happened was, she was not only in the hospital for her kidneys, she had a mild heart attack, and she could have died if she didn't go to the hospital. While she's in the hospital, my dad, who's blind, Nobody's there to help them. My siblings are working. I've got two siblings there. They're very busy working, taking care of their families. My sister goes, checks on my father. My dad gets up. He passes out. She has to rush him to the hospital. She brings him to the hospital, both my parents are in the same room, laying side by side. And they're trying to figure out my mom's heart. They're trying to figure out what's going on. How can they help her? They're trying to address her. They're trying to figure out why my dad was um, sick. And all they found out was he had high blood pressure. Maybe he was stressed because my, my mom was in the hospital. She's his caregiver, so he's stressing about that. And they're trying to help my mother out. Well, it came down to the decision. They began to ask all of us, well, she has to have a procedure. She can either have uh, stents put in her heart or open heart surgery. She had, she, might have, she had to have a triple bypass. One of her arteries was completely dead. And it says either going to be a stent or she's going to have a triple bypass. And we prayed, and they said, if you give her the triple bypass, her fist, because of her kidneys, she may not be able to handle that because that's a big surgery. But if you give her the stents, that's not going to be something that could be long-term. She could last two years, three years, four years. You never know. And we're praying as a family. We're trusting. <laughs> my sister, who lives in Dallas, she goes over there, spends time. She's my older sister. She spends that time for a month. She takes control. She's making these decisions. You know, we were 50-50, there's six of us, 
Three of us were saying stents. The other three of us were saying, you know, open heart surgery, trying to figure out what to do, just bypass. And we said, okay, we're just going to go ahead and go with the stent. I think that's the best way to go. They're doing the surgery in the stent. My mom passes out twice. She could have died. They had to, like, kind of, not smack her, but wake her back up, pinch her legs. In the midst of the surgery, she could have died. But I remember sending out prayer requests <laughs> to all the people that I know how to, that know, I know pray. And I, be, I began to intercede. And, I, and I'm not a person that likes to put my business out there. I'm very per, private. I keep to myself. I don't like to whine about nothing. Just, that's the way I've been. That's the way I grew up. And I'm asking people, pray for my mother. And I'm praying. And we're praying. We're believing. We're believing, praying, and interceding. And there's a lot of people trusting in that. And I really believe that as a result of the prayer, the Lord kept her alive. Amen? Because she conked out twice in the midst of the surgery. God turned her that situation. I mean, they said she was like pale white, like almost gone. Like, but God stepped in. <laughs> and I could testify to you tonight that my mother's back home with my father, and she's just acting like nothing happened. She's doing her same old routine. Everything's good. Amen? Give a hand clap to the Lord Jesus Christ. Prayer. Prayer. Amen? God does great things. See, passion will help you stay determined. You have to have passion. It will help you stay determined. In verse 11, she called on the name of the Lord and also reminds Jehovah that she is his maidservant. Don't quit praying for your family. Wrestle with the devil of your loved ones and bring God right in the middle of your fight. Stay determined. The enemy is trying to kill, steal, and destroy us because we are God's people. Wrestle with him. Fight the battle back on your knees. Tell him that he's a liar. Rebuke him. And tell him about his future, that he's defeated, and he's under our feet. Amen? We have to be determined. We have to have passion, and it'll help us stay determined. Number three, passion is the GPS of your, of, to your destiny. Passion is the GPS to your destiny. When we lose this in prayer, we lose our direction and purpose. When we lose our passion, we lose our direction and purpose. You ever been wandering? Wondering what's your purpose in life, and you walk around life like, God, what am I supposed to be doing? I've been there. Especially when I, had, when I was working two jobs. Lord, what are you doing in my life? Wandering, wandering. Passion is the GPS of your destiny. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. You may be wandering. You may be wondering, what, God, what are you doing in my life? Like, why are you allowing Every single thing to go bad in my life. Like, what's going on? I'm going to encourage you. Keep on praying. Keep on trusting. Have that passion because that's the GPS of your life. When you lose that, you begin to wander. You begin to be lost. You begin to be confused. Keep on believing. It keeps you going and believing in the promises of God. I remember the story in, in the scriptures where he talks about Elijah on Mount Carmel, and he's fighting against the 400 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, one man. And they're coming to him and say, well, our God is bigger than your God, and they prophet, you know, they're prophesying, and they're cutting themselves, and they're going crazy, and they're waiting for the rain to lick up their sacrifice, and Elijah's just sitting there like, <laughs> and I love it. I love the story because he's very sarcastic, and I could be sarcastic too. And he's sitting there, he's like, why don't, you, why don't you pray a little bit louder? Maybe your God's sleeping, you know? Pray louder. Cut yourself some more. Dance around some more, you know? Do some chants. Do. He's like, maybe, and then he finally says, the Bible actually says, maybe he's relieving himself, you know? He might be in the bathroom. Get his, and he's mocking him. 
And he says, all right, step aside. Now it's my turn. And he goes. He says, why don't you pour, up, pour a bucket full of water? They poured it seven times on the altar, soaking wet. He calls on the God of heaven, and what happens? Lightning strikes the water, fire licks it up, and we see the victory is won. Amen? God showed up. Because darkness cannot overcome the power of God. You may feel that at times, but when you trust in the Lord, when you call upon him, he's going to show up because he is greater. Amen? The Bible says greater is he that's in, right? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? And so he battled. He won the victory. One person over 900 people. One person. See, prayer that changes our family is prophetic. In verse 20, it says, So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. She went back to Eli after she gave birth to him, and she offered her son. In verse 26, it says, she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I pray for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I will give him to the Lord for his whole life, and he will be given over to the Lord, and he will worship the Lord there. How difficult it must have been for her to do that. How challenging it must have been for her to do that. After she wanted the child so bad to go back to that priest who called her a drunk, and she could have got nasty with him, but she just respected him, even though she knew that he was the man that kind of, you know, losing his touch, to go back and say, I'm going to leave this, my son in your hands. That's difficult, especially when you know that man's not the, you know, he's not, he doesn't have it. He lost it. She could do that. But she made a promise to God, and she kept her promise. I find it's important that when we make a vow to the Lord, we keep him. <laughs> we keep it. I mean, God's gracious, and he's forgiven. But if you promise something to God, keep it, because he's going to bless you as a result of that. Amen? And so she goes back and does that despite the difficulty. You see, Hannah gave her son a prophetic name, too. She didn't just, do, she didn't just give him back to the church. She gave him a prophetic name, Samuel, because I asked the Lord for him. That's what it stands for. That's what Samuel stands for. I asked the Lord for him. Every time that name was called, she was reminded of, of God that answers prayer. Samuel, the God that answers prayers. <laughs> Samuel, the God that answers prayers. He was reminded of that. And I remember when we, you know, I didn't know we were going to have twins. In India, you're not allowed, in India, they're not allowed to tell you the gender of your baby. Because in India, they had so much abortions there because if ladies were pregnant with girls and they didn't have a boy, they were like, well, He's not, she's not going to be able to keep the name, so I don't want to keep her. And so even people who are not from India, they wouldn't tell you what the gender of the babies are. And so we go to get an ultrasound, and we expect him to have only one. <laughs> and we go there, and the doctor's like, her eyes get open, mouth drops, like me and Marie look at each other like, what is going on? Like, is something wrong? <laughs> she starts giggling. And we see two heartbeats going like this. She goes, I see two heartbeats. And Marie claims that when she looked at me, I was looked like I was going to pass out, but I don't know. I don't, I can't, you know. She said, when I looked at you, you looked like you were about to. Now, my mouth did drop, though. Maybe I was about to pass out. I mean, father for the first time. 
recently married, we got married in 2009, 2010, we're in the mission field, 2011, we're having kids, I mean, that's all that boom, 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 you know, we work fast. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, what is, and I said to myself, okay, we already had Amelia's name picked out because Marie loves to be, she loves to fly, you know, she always wanted to get a pilot's license, be like a missionary pilot and fly around. And I said, okay, well, who's an adventurous lady that, you know, flew around the Atlantic, Pacific, and, you know, she's very famous, well, Amelia Earhart, right? And so we had a name picked out for Amelia, okay, so if we have the baby, we have Amelia. Now we have two, I'm like, oh, my goodness, well, I'm going to name the second. But the thing is, we didn't even, even that, we still didn't know what their gender was in India. So, in India, when you have a visa, you have to leave the country every three months and come back in, whether you go to Nepal or somewhere, just have to leave India, whether it's for an hour or two, just got to leave and come back. That's the way they have it for people who are not from there, expats. And so we go to Thailand. Thailand has the best medical. Everything, you know, is cleaner, nicer there. It's just crazy, but it's, we go there, we find out that we're having girls. I said, okay, well, that helps. Now we know we have girls. Now remember the name Charisma. I said, why Charisma? Now remember there was a, a group at Southeastern where I went to school in Florida. Then it was named Charisma. And I remember, man, they just have this powerful anointing and they worship and they sang and it was just... And Charisma means expression of grace. Her name means the gift of divine grace, the gift of faith, knowledge, holiness, and virtue. So I remember Hannah called her son Samuel. And I really believe that when we give names to our children, there's, there's, there's meaning behind that. And I said... Man, charisma is going to be the, the perfect name for our child. And I'll tell you what, charisma is an expression of grace. She is a gift of divine grace and, and a gift of faith, knowledge, and virtue. She had to be, the, you know, she's the stronger of the twins, the more gentle side of the, the one of the twins. And Amelia, that's like, you know, she's adventurous. She would get on a plane right now if she had to and fly it. I mean, she gets on a roller coaster, she said, she's adventurous. And charisma's like, I'm not doing that. I'm a baby still. I'm, Amelia, she's like, I'm going to get on this, this um, roller coaster. I'm going to get on that roller coaster. She's just very, just like her mother, very adventurous, very, you know, very daring, very bold, wants to, and me, I don't get on roller coasters. I'm like, okay, I'm fine. You guys could have fun. Remember that, Corey? When, you, you know, we went to uh, Six Flags. I'm like, you guys have fun. I'm all right. I don't need to get on roller coasters. And Charisma and I, like, like daddy, like daughter. I mean, the girl even looks like me, poor girl. <laughs> Right? Walks like me, everything. I mean, the girl looks like, man, I call her Raffaella. That's her name. I should have called her Raffaella instead of Charisma. And so, I mean, so, but Amelia, bold and Charisma, that's very kind and gentle and, and, and a gift of faith. And then Raphael means God heals. E-L means God and Rafa, God heals. And he helped me when I was a child. I was losing my hearing. I could not, I would have so, so many earaches. Like bad, they would rush me to the hospital with this bad earache. And it was, you know, and that was back when they used to heat up. I don't know if you guys ever did this, but my mom used to heat up a towel, hot, in a pot, and put like put it in my ear. And I remember just ah screaming like, "How's that helping me? Like thinking I was gonna die?" And that, you know, that just to ease the pain in my ear. But I would have such severe. Earaches. They talked about putting tubes in my ear. I was losing my, I had to go get hearing tests. And, you know, raise, back when they had those big headphones and you're raising your left hand, and raise, if you hear the beep, and I kept on having to do this. And, and I've, I've even jumped it before, so I don't have to, you know, I didn't want to get hearing aids at the kid. I'm like, you know, if they're trying to cheat, or so, I don't know. I was losing my hearing. 
But did you know when a group of ladies from our church put their hand on me, <laughs> I felt that heat come from their hand? And I, I knew it. I knew right then and then. No more. Haven't had earaches. No issues with hearing. I can hear very well. I can hear you snoring right now. Okay. I haven't had issues with hearing since then. Because God answers prayer. He heals. Hannah participated in prophetic worship. In verse 24, after, she was, after he was weaned, she took the boy with her young, as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, and ephod a flower and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as shortly as you live. I'm repeating this. I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I pray for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Hannah participated in prophetic worship. Her worship consisted of an offering that she gave up. She gave up that which she wanted to have. She gave it up. That was her offering unto the Lord. You ever, the Lord ever put something in your heart to give? Give more than you have? You ever wrestle with that? <laughs> and God says, watch me. Trust me. Get this. And I'm going to, let's go ahead. Trust me. I've been there. Lord, you, you sure you want me to give me, I mean, 500 I mean, I don't have 500 Really? But he shows up. He shows up faithfully. I think I shared a story with you last time I preached. God asked me to do something. I did. I gave. And then a couple of months later, I get a phone call. I'm probably about two weeks later, later, I get a phone call. How can I bless you, brother? I'm good. I don't, I don't really need to understand. No, I feel like the Lord's telling me to give you something. How can I help you? I want to bless you with a check. I'm not going to say no, right? <laughs> okay, brother, if you feel led of the Lord, go ahead. <laughs> Sends a check in the mail. I'm at work. It was on a Friday. Marie's off on Friday. So she opens up the envelope. She's crying in tears. She calls me and says, you would not believe what they gave us. And they gave it out of their business. And when she told me, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> God, you are good. Because when you ask, it says it, give and you shall receive, pressed down, shaken from running over. He asked me to give and I received. Amen. And you know what we did? The first 10% we gave to this church as a tithe. When you get a gift, tithe that 10% because God's going to bless you in return. Hey, tithe, I mean, I'm telling you, that was the first thing we did. Get that 10%. And it was a large check that we got. I'm not going to say how much because you're going to be asking me for money afterwards and promise you, I spent it already, you know, anyway, but he, he gets back, but he asks you to give, he gives it right back, he wor her worship consisted of giving God praise for answer prayer, her worship consisted of honoring a promise, amen, she honored a promise that she made to the Lord, she made a vow, like I said, keep your vow, keep your promises, because God's going to bless you in return as a result of that. Amen? Finally, Hannah worshiped with prophetic prayer and praise. With prophetic prayer and praise. I'm going to re quickly read verse, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. I don't have it up there because I thought I would be over on time, but I'm, I'm still good. 
verse 2, verses 1 to 10. I'm just going to read it. It's not on the screen. It says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. So when God answers your prayer, give him praise. Amen? Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumble are girded by, with, with strain. Those who were, were full have hired themselves out of bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even a barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. She knows that because she's seen God show up. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among prince and makes them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will gird, guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. Amen. The wicked shall be silent in darkness. Those who are talking about you, they'll be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horns of his anointed. Amen. She's giving praise to the Lord because he showed up in her situation and she's praising him. And when God shows up in your situation, praise him. <laughs> praise him. Because he's worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. And so I'm going to praise him tonight. I'm going to praise the Lord for keeping me and delivering me from many obstacles. When I was a child, I was told you I was losing my hearing. When I was a child, I actually had a situation that happened when I was a baby. Um, I had like this, uh, this, uh, like this convulsion. I started shaking and my tongue was rolling and my eyes were rolling in, my, in, my, in, my, in the back of my head and my brother's yelling out the window, help, help, somebody help, my brother's dying. I mean, I was attacked as a baby and, and, and that's a crazy situation. There was no control of that and it, my parents didn't know what to do. At the time, they weren't even believers. But we, you know what? We still, we prayed. We heard about praying and we prayed and God did something miraculous. I could have been dead. I want to praise the Lord for keeping my mom from death. I'm here to testify tonight that she's alive and well, amen? Because God is good. I want to praise him for that. Because she could have died in that surgery, but we prayed and we believed and he showed up. I want to thank the Lord for Amelia being released from the hospital after nine days in NICU. Because we trusted, we believe that God would turn that situation around. I want to thank the Lord for opening the door for me to teach at the school I'm at right now. I think I told the story. I'm trying to remember. I might have told Linda Fagan the story. We were at the Cobblestone Apartments right next door. It was a Cimarron. One of those two apartments is next to the Irving Elementary here in Cleburne. And we were doing meeting with the managers to talk about doing outreaches there. And the Lord just led me to go to the field. And I started walking to the field. And the school is right across the street. And I'm looking at this school and I'm praying. And God said, you're going to be in that school one day. I remember just hearing clearly, I'm like, and I look up, I'm like, I don't like kids. <laughs> At the time, I just, kids, get on my nerves. Some of your children get on my nerves, you know. I don't have patience for kids, Lord. Like, I mean, I done youth ministry. I used to love doing that. That was great, you know. But children, that's the whole, you know. And I'm looking, I'm like, 
I thought Marie was a children's pastor. I'm just the husband and say, hey, guys, how you doing? You know? And I'm looking at the school. I said, okay, Lord. And I'm working at Chick-fil-A at the time. And the first time I came in contact with this school, they ought, it, was the, it was like the end of the school year, about two years ago, maybe about a year and a half ago. We've been here for going on two years. It's been two years. They sent me to do a delivery from Burleson, Chick-fil-A, to here to Cleburne. Had a big delivery. And it was an after-school thing. I was having a meeting in the library, and I'm bringing these you know, big old catering bags, Chick-fil-A stuff, and I'm struggling. I'm a little guy. You know, I'm going in there. I go in there, and the principal, Mr. Blaylock, who was the principal back there, godly man, man of prayer. Dad's a pastor of a church here in Cleburne. I think it's a church of Christ, a church of God. One of the churches here. There's so many. All right. And I'm going in there, and I see this big smile on his face, and he shakes my hand. And I'm putting everything down. You know, we don't look for tips. We don't ask for tips. You don't have to give them if they deliver, deliver to you. They give me this envelope. Like, here you go. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, a couple of dollars. You know, I walk away. And I'm, you know, I'm playing it cool. Like, all right, thank you. Put it in my pocket. As soon as I got out the door, I was like, oh, what's, going on? what's in here? You know you've done it before, right? <laughs> what's in here? So I go out the door. I open the envelope. Pulling out 20s after 20s after I'm like, $65 tip. I'm like, ooh, praise the Lord. <laughs> and I needed it. <laughs> At the time, I needed it. And I'm driving back home. I said, man, Lord, I was destined the other day praying over that school, and you put in my heart, I'm going to get to that school, and I have this wonderful encounter. There's a man of God that works there, the principal, man of faith, missionary kid. He grew up in Mexico, speaks fluent Spanish, but he was, you know, white. And I'm like, man, he has the same testimony as us. We're missionaries, you know, we're missionaries. I'm going back, and I'm like, Lord, this is amazing. I'm just, wow, it's a great school. And I'm praying, Lord, I'm going to get in that school. And God said, I want you to become a sub. And I'm like, God, oh, I don't want to work two jobs. I've done it before. And I'm working at Chick-fil-A, and I'm subbing from time to time. I'm going to Marty. I'll sub there. Mostly Irving, though. I kept on any job with Irving, because that's a rough school. Let me tell you, it's a rough school. A lot of subs are like, I'm staying away from that school. Like, I heard those kids are possessed over there. <laughs> I'm like, and I'll see these jobs open up. I'm, I'm getting phone calls, and, you know, just the day of. And, I, you know, I can't always take them, because I had to work at Chick-fil-A. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll take it when I'm off. So I'm working on my days off, working at Irving, showing up, being, a, you know, this subbing, whatever I can do, math, and I, I don't like math. I'm doing math, you know, I'm doing everything. I'm there, subbing fourth grade, fifth grade, second grade, whatever, and they get, start to get to know me. And one day I get a call, because I had, you know, I'm, I'm going to a program to get all my teaching certification and all that stuff, and he said, hey, we got a kindergarten position, we want to interview for it. I'm like, okay, well, all right. Kindergarten's not so bad, you know. They're still young and innocent. That's a good, that's a good age. I can see myself doing that. Go have the interview. Didn't get the position. <laughs> they gave it to somebody else. And I walk away. I'm like, man, I wasted my time. What did I say wrong in the interview? I prayed. I dressed up nice in a suit. You know, I was just ready to go. Why? Why would they do that? I guess they, was, they had to interview a certain amount of people, but they already had somebody in mind. You know, that's business. It's just the way it is. But I had, I was, then I was grateful for the opportunity. So at least he gave me an interview. Cool. All right, that's good. I'm one step closer. 
Uh, and I emailed him. I said, Mr. Blaylock, like, why, why did you guys, did I do something wrong? Like, I would like to learn how to interview better. Maybe I can do better in the future. He's like, no. It's just that we felt like it was in January, so we felt like you, since you're not that experienced, we had to have more, somebody more experienced who has a teaching background to take this kindergarten class because it's January, and the teacher had to quit mid-year because something with her father, she had to go take care of her dad, and she had to get these kids caught up. I said, okay, I understand that. I don't have the background. They, you know, I'm a ministry background. And so, okay. He said, but, I, but don't worry about it, Raphael. We got, you know, just keep on trusting. I'm, a, I'm in a, at Chick-fil-A. I get a call. He leaves me a voicemail. We've got a position we'd like to consider you for. I'm on my lunch break. I'm like, hey, what's that position? You know? He's like, we want to um, hire you as a bilingual paraprofessional. Sorry, I don't speak Spanish. I'm not, you know, not great Spanish, but I speak pretty good Spanish, you know, right? Pretty good Spanish. <laughs> and so I said, okay, I'll take that position. I go there, and it wasn't the position. It wasn't for a bilingual. I, had, I was working with kids with special needs. So I'm working with kids with special needs, but what happened was they needed a person who spoke Spanish because one of the kids with special needs, the first language was Spanish. So that's the reason why they brought me in. I said, all right. And I find out the day before I take the job, the teacher comes, she's at Chick-fil-A, you meet everybody there, and she stands there, her eyes open wide, like, are you the same Raphael that's going to work at Irving? I'm like, shh, don't say that too loud, because I'm still working here. You know? Hello? <laughs> and I said, yes. She said, you got to be working with special ed? I'm like, I thought it was bilingual. No, you'll be working with me. Okay. So, you know, how do you say no? Did it. And I loved it. And I got to meet every kid in the school. Like, I can tell you names. We got, now we have 500-something kids in our school. And I could tell you names. And when we had our VBS here in the summer, I'm saying, hi, 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 because I, I had the opportunity. Because what happened when my position, it was inclusion and resource. I don't know, Mr. Teresa would know what that is, right? I get to go to every classroom and sit with the special needs kids and work with them. And I'm getting to know the teacher. I'm getting to know every student whether it's kindergarten, well, first grade and up, first grade, second grade, all the way to fifth grade, I'm going there, going there, going there, meeting all these kids. Did that for a couple of months. I started in January, school was out in May. Started working in summer school. Then, you know, this year, I come in as a PPCD, which is working with preschool kids with special needs. That's when I was changing the diapers and all that. And then God brought, opened the door to be in fifth grade. <laughs> I would have preferred to teach the kindergarten, to be honest with you. <laughs> Because I noticed that fifth graders are not really much different than kindergartens. Right, Ms. Trina? Sometimes their behavior will tell you what. But God does miracles. And I want to praise him for opening the door for me to be a fifth grade teacher at Urban Elementary. And I'm going to tell you something. When you're a first year teacher, and you had to teach fifth grade, that's a star testing grade, that's hard. And it's been challenging. I've been stressed. I'm so stressed, I lost my name tag. I was telling Trina, I can't find my name tag. Uh, I can't get into the school, you know. But God's not going to give me nothing I cannot handle. Right? He equips those he calls. And I'm trusting, I'm believing in him, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. What are you going to praise God for? That's the question I want to close with. What are you going to praise him for? See, pr prayer can change our family, but it has to be personal. It has to be passionate, and it has to be prophetic. Do you want to make a difference in praying for your family? 
I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And I got about, oh, a minute. If you have a family member that needs prayer, I just want you to raise your hand. We don't have to take names. See those hands. See those hands. Mike, I already got your prayer request for your sister and her daughter. We're going to collectively pray as a church and believe for these prayers to be answered. You just heard some testimonies from scriptures and from personal testimonies. Like, this is not stuff I'm making up. <laughs> I promise you I wouldn't preach this message if it wasn't true. Okay? Let's intercede and pray for our family members. Amen? Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father God, we come before you right now. And we are believing, Lord, for these prayers to be answered. We are believing, Lord, that you're going to do miracles in so many people's lives here, Lord. There's so many of us here tonight. Many hands were lifted. And I'm praying right now. I don't know their situation. I don't know their circumstance, Lord, but I do know this. I know you're a God of miracles. I know you're a God of wonders. I know you answer prayer, Father God. I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you touch everybody here, Lord. You touch their families, Lord. Touch their children. Touch their grandchildren, Lord. And whatever struggle that they are faced with right now, I pray, Father, that you will show up in that situation. Because we are believing in you. We are trusting that you are God of miracles. And you still do miracles today, Lord God. You're not the God of yesterday. You're the God of today and forevermore, Lord God. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord. And we know, Lord, of stories of old, of revival, Lord God. But we are believing right now for revival today, Lord. We need it as a nation. We need it, Lord. And we're trusting right now. We are believing that you're going to show up in our lives, that you're going to do something great, and that one day we're going to be able to be up here and testify of your goodness because you showed up. So as a church, our faith collectively, worshiping the one and only who answered prayer, the one and only who can move the mountains, the one and only who can turn the water into wine, the one and only who can do miracles, who can raise the dead, who can open the eyes, Lord God, you've done it. You still do it, Lord. <laughs> that great testimony of Marie when I said they prayed for a kid that was dead and that kid came back to life. We believe in for the same God to work miracles in our lives, Amen. And so, Lord, we call upon you. We call upon Jehovah Rapha. We call upon Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We call upon Jehovah Shalom, God of peace. We call upon you, Adonai, Elohim. Our Father, Abba. We call upon you, Yahweh. For you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. We give you all praise, glory, and honor tonight, Lord. Thank you for being so faithful to us. Thank you for blessing us, Lord. And we pray for tomorrow's fall festival. There will be many people here who have never been to church before. And this is an opportunity, Lord God. And I know many of us are saying, you know, we've given up some time to help out, to be a support. And we, I want to thank everybody here tonight that could be a part of that in advance, Lord. Bless us, but help us to have that smile on our face, to welcome those who have never been to church before. We had a person come tonight thinking it was going to be tonight. <laughs> I said, no, it's tomorrow. Come back. Welcoming those into our church. And, Lord, I pray that they will make this, they will stay. This is the church I want to come to. They'll feel welcome here and come back and be a part of our family, Lord Jesus. I pray that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.
Thank you for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on the podcast or share it with somebody by taking a photo and sending it by text message or share it with the link below and they'll be able to click on it and enjoy the message as well. Thank you very much. I'll see you next time.